Hey, welcome to Bash University Live. Um, uh, super excited about today's show. We've got Chris Lane, winner of stage one of the Bass Pro Tour, one of the most amazing fish catches in the history of the world, Riz. Oh, it, man, I'm telling you, was it ever. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the time pressure, the crunch, uh, needing a big, giant one and getting it done with less than a minute to go, uh, the mental toughness. We're gonna we're gonna dive in with Chris about that about the 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 mental side to be able to stay in and stay engaged to to win and win at the highest level like he has proven uh, over and over again that that he can do uh, both both the Lane boys uh, for sure and just one of the greatest fish catches. We're gonna be talking about the the pre spawn, how to catch them uh, in that pre spawn moving up stage with a with a flipping stick and uh and and his other tactics let's dive in with chris and see see how things are going to progress i know uh another big tournament's coming up with him which is the red crest that's coming up on lake norman uh that's coming up geez in just a couple of days that's going to get kicked off so really excited classic champ uh winner of the major league fishing uh stage one down at the Kissimmee chain uh chris lane going to be with us here real soon uh, very excited to, to have that and get going there. We've got a lot of giveaways. If you're watching us over on social, like and share the post, and we are going to give away some cool prizes. What we have a it's always a Waterwood yep. giveaway. Waterwood for, is our like and share, and then we have a bunch of soft plastics, a seeing red almost type of plastics where Missile Baits has given us a Missile Bait package to give away today. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Just in time for spring. It's right around the corner, Pete. It is, and it's a seeing red promotion happening right now. Uh, it's it's really cool. It, it red is such a powerful weapon this time of year. Ooh, so is it ever? We love we love this promotion sign up for an annual subscription at bash you and get yourself what's uh, the reason that uh, red is such a special color i'll tell you <laughs> greg hackney one of our bash you instructors said boy when they get on that red you can't get them off it <laughs> that's the reason right there. enough said enough <laughs> said hey if there's something about it but it works all season I've, I've smashed them on red in the fall too uh there's there's uh theories about it it it's blood in the water kind of color. Uh, it's theories that the crawfish look red when they're coming out of the mud in the spring. Uh, there's a lot of theories about why that works so well, but it really does. And it's a jackhammer and it's a Rapala DT6 in demon color yeah. that comes along with that package and as well as a missile baits. Uh, Lava crawl. Lava crawl. Yeah. I love that shockwave lava crawl. Perfect trailer for the Z-Man jackhammer. It, it is. Crawl, by the way, it is. That's a really, really good tackle pack. By yeah. the way, guys, if you're out there listening and you're, you know, you're on the fence, springtime fishing is here. I mean, you're getting like the weapons to catch them in the spring. Spring. You're getting the Rapala DT6 and Ike Steaming. In my opinion, that's the best springtime color you can have. Yeah. And then the Z-Man jackhammer, which is an incredible chatterbait in the fire crawl and you even get the trailers to throw on there you get the lakewood tackle bag to store all the stuff uh, you can't beat it don't yeah. wait just go, it's like go, it's, a, it's go, like go. a 75 dollar value yeah. uh get yourself signed up go over to bashy.tv and get signed up and that way you can come over to the im board and ask questions to us here on the show ask questions to chris yeah and uh try to win our grand prize and if you're a member you do today. know that you get some really high discounts with all of them so yeah. with missile baits they're like 30 percent off rapala you can go get go get the storm vmc now. uh and all the rest so it, it, 
we we really take care of our guys that subscribe and we appreciate you guys being part of the program and we're getting so many people so the everybody's you know coming out of the winter season they're getting back they're studying up just like you're studying up jocelyn you were just studying up and uh our bass guys are studying up too and we see you guys over on the site and uh we've got some amazing content that that we filmed this year and uh it's really amazing and and i'm i'm excited to dive into this topic and we're going to go there but forward-facing sonar was a big uh, player in the tournaments this year. We 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 had some super talented speakers that delivered some eye-opening forward-facing sonar content yep. that we're going to be dropping on Bash U uh, because it's a factor in in all fishing. And two of the major tournaments were won that way, but right. not Chris's tournament. Not Chris's tournament. I love that. He did it <laughs> old school, dragging the dragging the yep. worm, man. And we're yep. uh, we actually got a we got the clip, Pete, of his uh, his winning fish catch. So we're going to we're going to showcase Let's, just a little bit before we get to him. Yep. It's going to be good stuff. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm ready when you are. Okay. I know I know Chris is waiting in the wings. Let's yeah. uh, let's let's show this clip because it was uh, I, I'll set the stage a little bit here. Okay. Chris needed, I think, a, what was it? A five, five or he needed a four twelve. Oh, yeah. Four twelve. Four twelve. He needed to eclipse Mark Davis, who was well in command in this tournament with a thirty four pound bag going into the final day and uh and mark's fish the change the wind change struggled he had a he had a modest bag and uh left the door open just a little bit just enough and uh let's roll the clip chris kicked it in let's watch it let's see what happens chris lane's got one. Oh my gosh oh my gosh he needs 412 stay on baby it has to be over the gunnel of the boat. I don't know if it's big enough, but it's big. Can't turn or God dog it. Get out of there. Come on. Time. Time is one minute. Oh. Right in the top. Is it enough? Eight seconds. Come here. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Come here. Oh! oh, I think she's short. Oh. He needs 412. Oh, that's going to be enough. It's going to be there. Got me, Day. Five pounds, five ounces. What a catch! <laughs> God, I got to let her go. Look at that. I ain't got time. Big, beautiful girl. Oh boy. Maybe one more six pounder would do it. I ain't got much time. You got 23 seconds. He doesn't know. He, know. he, he does not know. know that he's just won. <gasps> a 5 5 with a minute left for Chris Lane. He's going to get incredible news here in about 10 seconds. Lines are out. What a rally. Chris Lane, 26-1 on the final day. And he wins by 2-12 by That's catching it. that one at the wire of 5-5. No, he doesn't know. Five-something. I needed a seven or an eight. No, you didn't. Golly day. I don't know what the weight is. 
<laughs> this is gonna be good. Congratulations. So close. Congratulations. What? You are, you are stage one champion. You're kidding me. No, sir. You're kidding me. No, sir. Are you sure that's right? Yes, sir. It's right. <laughs> Pow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an what an amazing! Uh, I mean, it's it's gotta get it's epic. It's gotta be one of the greatest fish catches of all time. And here he is, the man himself. Uh, a super champion, a classic champion, and now stage one champ with uh, with that amazing catch, Chris Lane. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for being with us, buddy. Man, thanks, guys, for having me. Watching that just brings back chills, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's just so uh, – so t tell me what was going through your mind. Like, uh, somehow you did not know that you had enough weight. Well, the thing, I really wasn't paying too, too much attention to my weight at the time. I was just trying to fish as hard as I could to the very last second. And when he told me I needed, you know, four pounds, 12 ounces, I needed a four pound, 12 ounce bass. I'm, you know, for four years that we've done this, it's always like, well, you're three ounces back or whatever. So if you catch a two pounder, you know that you move in. And now that we're doing the five fish, I was thinking that I had to call the three pounder, which was my smallest fish, I was like, okay, so I need seven. I need four 12, so I need to take away my three. That puts me at seven something. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. And I just was giving it all I could to the very end. Don't change that thought process because if you always <laughs> think you need more than you actually do, you're going to do pretty well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, I I never thought yeah. about it like that, and uh, and that now you can see clearly, you know, what was going on. Now, this was it was pretty cool because um, we're watching it wash over you, you know, like uh, uh, you know, I didn't, I needed a seven, I got a five, I didn't make it, and then and then your marshal tells you, and 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 it's just washing over you. Uh, I mean, that was an how did that feel like did, did you need to get like i think i might have needed like a signature some kind of validation that is this for real i gotta call the tournament director am I we, getting pranked? yeah am i getting pranked what's going on well i you know the thing about the score tracker i guess is it's really never wrong you know that i've ever been a, a part of and i'm sitting there and that's when i i asked him i says man i gotta see that thing because i kept waiting for Oh, well, we didn't call your three pounder out, but all, everything operated just like it was supposed to. And for me, you know, just assuming that I needed a seven plus pounder in order to do it. Well, I was wrong. And thank goodness I was, because uh, if I'd have known I needed a four pound, 12 ounce bass, I might have stayed where I was. I don't think so. I mean, I was planning on going back and trying to catch that one off the arrowhead that I had missed earlier. Well, you you. You have a knack for this, man. You win big and uh, and in big moments, and there, there's it's it's not a mistake. Like it, ha it's happened too much for you. And I, there, you know, we talk about high level competition, and it's so often between the years. 
you know, and you you kept your composure in uh, in this instance. Uh, I mean, you one minute left. It's just uh, I mean, it's amazing. How, how how did you get yourself in that spot? Man, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, what a blessing there at the end to catch that to catch that fish with just a minute and something left. I think that was uh, I knew I was going to fish as hard as I could to the last second. I really in my mind was saying, don't finish second. I mean, don't finish third. You know, if you're going to if you, you know, Mark to Mark Davis's credit. I mean, what a phenomenal bag at 34, 10 or 12. And what a great job he did. And I knew how high that mountain was to climb, but I was really focused, you know, Brent Ayler and Ott Defoe were coming and they were coming fast and hard. And I was like, okay, if you're not going to win, at least try to finish second. That was kind of my mentality. But, get, you know, I knew one swing of the rod could be that seven or eight pounder. And that's what uh, I was thinking about through throughout since I've had some time to kind of reflect back on the event is I never weighed in a fish over seven pounds. And that shocked me because that time of year, when it's set up like that, usually you see a number between seven and 10 pounds. You see a lot of those fish. And we didn't, I didn't see any of those. And, you know, I knew that, man, just one swing of that rod could be that great big giant one. So I just stuck with it to the very end. Well, you did, you showed great poise and, um, and, and our champions do you, but you had another incident. We don't have a clip of this, but we, we were digging around for this one. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, you had the, yep. the Mac daddy of all backlashes. <laughs> and, and that was incredible that you were able to keep your composure and catch that fish. Well, the, here's the story. That wasn't a backlash. I had had a backlash prior to, and I never pulled my line all the way out. And that's a good lesson for anybody. When you have fluorocarbon and you get a backlash, make sure you get all the way down to clean line. That line actually broke down in my reel. And if you watch, I actually had to reach up and grab it at my eye. And I started pulling it. And that's when it looked like it was a backlash. But that's what had happened. And I was like, you know what? I've caught a lot of big fish right there off of that single grass patch before, you know? So I was like, if I get a bite, that might be a good one. I better not, I better not mess this up just in case. And sure enough, <laughs> there was a bite and I'm like, okay, we'll see what we can do with this. Man, it, it, How, how's the hook set with your hands technique? Can you walk <laughs> us through that? Like, <laughs> Well, how, do, how does one practice that? Well, you don't practice it. You just think about it in the moment. So I actually, <laughs> I pulled the line to where I could get it tight. And I didn't like grab the line from the rod. I left it in the rod because it was still through the eyes. So I pulled it and I got it to where it was tight. And I held this hand back to have a tight line. And it was almost like I was fly fishing, you know, and I took this, this hand and I set the hook back that way with this line holding the line tight so obviously we got the hook penetrated and uh that was a fish that i look back and i remember that moment i i told the cameraman and the official in my boat i says you know if anything crazy's to happen that's the fish that you know was a blessing for sure yeah well no keeping doubt. your composure it was 
Yeah, that, that that fish never comes in, and you you were cool as a cute. It almost like you were anticipating it. Like it, I, I remember the dialogue. I think where you cast it out there, and you were like, "Man, I I hope I don't get a bite or something like that." And and, and you did. Yeah. You, you had, I mean, you felt it while you were digging out all this mess. Well, I had made a perfect cast, and the bait, you know, landed perfect right off the tip of a grass point. And I'm like, golly, man, if I, and I, you know, I was anticipating getting a bite right there as I did, you know, a lot of the thousand casts that I made that I didn't get a bite, but I was anticipating that one. And, um, you know, was able to put it all together and, uh, you know, God's timing is amazing. <laughs> Boy, is it? Yeah, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of mental toughness and, and, and a well-executed fish catch. And, uh, you know, cer certainly a great win. So much fun to catch. watch. Like, you know, this was the big change, right? We've gone to the big five. And, you know, some of the, the uh, I guess, observations were, uh, you know, the, the you know, we're not going to see the cut line be as active or as dynamic or, the you know, like the winds, you know, aren't going to be as dynamic with the big five, maybe. Or we were guessing, you know. And, yeah. oh, my gosh. Like, uh um, Andy Morgan catches a six pounder, you know, at the no time on the clock to get into the cut, you know, I, I, and then your catch, I think it's amazing that it's just as dynamic. Well, these guys are the, they're the best in the world. And I think I, you know, I was able to finally, I shot, I had to be on the water right after that, the very next day, um, and shoot the hunt for monster bass. The film crew was waiting. They were down there. Everything's already been planned. Um, I think if anything, what we learned um, with that show is to not film, uh, not plan a show after the day after the tournament, because we didn't get on the water till a little later that day. But, you know, the having the time to go back and, and view some of that and watch some of that footage. And you're right with Andy's catch and, you know, with the catch there at the end to win all of that. I think it really is is showing you that these guys don't quit until the very 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 end and that's rob newell said it absolutely perfect you know there's no quitting these guys whether it's mark davis whether it's van dam whether it's jacob wheeler jordan lee justin lucas i mean the list goes on with you knowing the clock you knowing the time and you knowing the score it will make you fish that much harder well, you could see. You, well, you could certainly see it. We saw the intensity in this event, and it was uh, it was just a, a lot of fun to watch. So, a uh, big shout out to Major League Fishing. That was, that was tremendous and a great win. And uh, one one of the things that kind of struck me to, to get to the fishing side of things, um, we've seen forward facing sonar win two major events. Uh, that man. Everybody was probably guessing that that wasn't going to be the case in in these la those last two events. Did 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 you did it play a role in your event at all? Did you uh, were you able to see any of these fish? Was it an absolute non factor? Oh, it was a uh, it was a non factor for me. Um, I think the most important thing was my Lawrence Electronics and using the two D sonar on my new PowerPole Move trolling motor. The 2D sonar was allowing me to, to see what kind of bottom it was, whether there was some grass, but really 
my main focus through that event was what depth I was in. Was I in four foot or was I in three and a half and three and a half and shallower was my, um, that was my go-to. So really focusing on that, really not using the forward facing sonar in that event. Wow. So that's a big deal. Like a half a foot meant everything to you. Oh, absolutely. If I got to four foot, for whatever reason, that was too deep. No kidding. Wow. And and that's like, I don't know. You were in Kissimmee. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I fished Hatchin Hall a few days and then Kissimmee is where I ended up at the last, you know, last day for sure. Yeah. And it's the, like, there's not a lot of brake lines there, right? It's pretty gradual, uh, a sloping water. So, man, it's so important on those flats to pay attention to that depth. Yeah, to pay attention to that, but to also pay attention to the vegetation and to the bottom. Um, you know, a lot of the times you can stick your rod down and uh, and see. So, really, depth was depth was very key for me at that in that event. What kind of grass were you fishing around? Oh, I fished. <laughs> I fished isolated lily pads cattails sticks arrowheads and kissimmee grass so So all of those put together and if you had them sometimes if you had them mixed that's where your better fish came from so there was no subsurface grass like like hydrilla or no none of that interesting okay okay what what, why do you think that depth was so key like was it like a light penetration type of deal were they were they trying to spawn or what, what why do you think that that half of a foot was so crucial I think the big thing with that was the fact that that is where those fish were doing three things. They were setting up to go spawn. They were coming out after the spawn, holding in that area. And then at the same time, you know, you had the ones that were actually spawning out there too. Gotcha. Gotcha. You did a lot of work with the, with the worm in this event, um, fishing, fishing slow, which to me, it's, I mean, personally if i was fishing in, a, in in the mlf style format and i had the clock and i knew what was going on, it would be hard to fish slow right but you you got it done doing it that way were there were there any other baits for you that that really played a key role like was there a moving bait that you used to kind of find the key areas and then slow down with the worm or was it just all dragging the whole time yeah well in practice i caught some nice ones on a chatterbait but i mean or a vibrating jig but i think most importantly was you know finding some of those fish but then as the tournament went on you know every every fish minus i think a couple that i weighed came off of a uh, off the bass pro shop sticko right. and i think i weighed a few in when it slicked off on the knockout round i caught some nice ones on the lane changer and it kind of just kept you know building and building and building and i think that's what's really cool about the major league fishing format now is you you know 15 pounds or even if you catch 25 pounds and you're like okay do i lay off these a little bit or something well mark davis has got 34 so you're still 10 pounds behind so you better go try to get some right <laughs> i think that's what's really neat about it what, what is the lane changer worm <laughs> well the lane changer it's a top water plug that we invented okay okay yeah designed right. designed after the devil horse that you know i gotcha. i that's all my grandpa threw down there. That's what we learned how to, you know, how we, how we learned to fish was with that. 
Chris, let me ask you this. What makes you choose between a straight style, like a stick worm, Senko style worm, Bass Pro Shops, whatever, or the the curly tail worm? Because I remember when you won at the St. John's, you were working in both, right? You were working in a straight stick worm and a curly yeah. tail worm. What, what, like what's, what's the big difference and kind of why one or the other? Well, sometimes those fish, when, when it's, you know, it really depends on the bite. Um, right. Sometimes you can throw a curl tail worm down there, such as a 10 inch worm, um, ribbon tail type, type bait. And I think that's mainly when it gets really, really, really calm. Um, it's good. It's not like, because you're throwing it all with the weight, even the, even the sticko I was throwing with a weight. So a lot of the times, if it's really calm, you'll see that ribbon tail going down or coming through the water to where when it's, when it's kind of rough and the fish are very aggressive, just that, that slow fall of just a straight tail worm, you know, really excites them even more. So you just have to play with that and let the fish tell you what they want. Gotcha. Gotcha. How much, how much weight were you, uh, were you using this week on, on the front Three, of the worm? Yep. Just the three sixteenths. Uh, if it got real windy, I'd pick up a quarter sometimes. And then it, I had three, three different weights set up eight, three sixteenths and a quarter, but mainly the three sixteenths was the go-to. Were you pegged or unpegged? Yep. Oh, uh, you, you were pegged? Pegged. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. The, the and and Jocelyn, I'm going to send it to you uh, for some IM questions, but I, I just got a follow up on that. The we, I saw Mark Davis fishing slower than a giant sloth, um, <laughs> and slow was like the recipe, right? That how how yeah. are you? Is that I mean how do how does one trigger strikes like that? Explain that to somebody watching you do this. Like, are you letting it? Are you like getting it around a root and knowing that you got to just let it sit there or uh, just let it sit on the bottom? How, or is it on the fall? How are those strikes triggered like that? I think the biggest thing with that was, you know, I was fishing slow. The strike zone in those, in those lily pads, cattails, you know, whatever, the strike zone is very small. And for me, it was fish it slow in that strike zone. If you didn't get any bites after, you know, 20 minutes or so, then you were in the wrong area or those fish weren't biting for whatever reason. And that is something that I had to change up and I would move to another area, move to another area to where when you got a bite in that very small strike zone, then you could slow down a little bit and pinpoint your cast and kind of kind of dive into that area a little bit more as you would get bites. Well, all, all, awesome to watch. I mean, not everybody can fish slow, but uh, I'm pretty good at fishing slow, so I can appreciate it. <laughs> Jocelyn, let me let me pass it on to you. What do you we have a few questions? Um, longtime Bash University subscriber Howie Range hey. wanted to know, Chris, at what depth do you disregard using forward facing sonar? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I usually, if it's if it's four foot or shallower. I kind of use um, just old school tactics as far as the rod and uh, putting it down in the water, um, looking for the bottom and the depth and, you know, visually seeing with my eyes what's in front of me. 
um, and feeling with the baits, kind of what's around. Um, five foot and less for me, you know, I know some of these younger guys are really good at it and probably use it in two foot of water. But for me, it's usually five foot or deeper is when I will have it on and really be paying attention to it. Excellent. You got another one? Well, I was also reading the Bass Blaster, and there was a quote of the day, and it was about forward-facing sonar, how it can be addicting but cause people to um, waste valuable fishing minutes. Do you find that to be true, where if you're for using forward-facing sonar and you catch a fish and you follow the fish to find another fish, follow that fish, you, you get distracted <laughs> and lose your spot? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing with board there and that's that's the hardest thing even though the most beautiful baits in the world are out there nowadays every every technique is available but sometimes those fish just don't want to bite and it can be addicting to try to make that fish bite just like a video game yeah we, we see you know <clears throat> we learned a lot uh at bash university a lot of instruction was done on forward facing and uh identifying the different a lot of times you get caught fishing for the wrong species even until you get comfortable being able to identify that i want to go back to your gear uh uh chris that what hook are you using in that sticko are you are you straight shank are you uh ewg what are you using straight shank uh xps five aught hook um it's one that i've used for a long time and it just the hook penetration, the hookup ratio on that just is higher than any other one. But there again, to, you know, for the kids out there and the people that are trying to learn, everybody's hook set is different. Everybody's, the way they swing the rod, what gear ratio they use, all of that is different. So just because that's what we use and that's what's been working for me, there's been times when I'll throw an EWG on, say, a weightless sticko and I will have better hookups with that. So it's just really something that works best for you, you know, and, and, you know, when you're out there trying to learn what's best, you can read it in a book, you can see it, you can watch it on YouTube, but time on the water and what you learn, what's best for you will always prevail everything else. Speaking of hook setting, Nate Wilson had a question about how do you set the hook when flipping? Are you slack lining them or more of a pull? Because Chris and Hack you and Hackney have to have the prettiest hook sets in the business. <laughs> well, that's that's an honor to be put in that group with Hackney. Um, when flipping, it's always a, it's always you want a tight line. You don't want to you don't want to have slack in your line one. It can rip a hole in your mouth, the fish's mouth, if you're using braid. And number two, you know, you want to you want a straight pull, which is a, it allows you to have a much better hookup ratio and actually landing the fish. <coughs> what um, uh, when uh, when your when your line breaks and pandemonium and knots and tag, what is the recommended rod length and power to survive that situation? <laughs> Yeah, so my go-to my go-to rod, seriously, on a on a on a long cast, or or when you're pitching heavy cover, making. Long well, looks like we just dropped the signal. He's out on Gville. 
So, or he got a, or he got a phone call, you know, because he just wanted to be, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's possible. Or he too. Caught a fish. Let's take yeah. a guess on what his, what his rod length is going to be, Pete. It's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be a seven and a half. Feedback, <laughs> <laughs> but a seven four medium heavy Johnny Morris rod is what I'm using. I got gotcha. you. Okay, are you? Uh, oh, there you are. Sorry about that. No, no, we got you. We, we, you came in, uh, you came back just in time for us to get the rod length and model. Well, are you high speed reel when you're flipping, uh, for efficiency or do you not care about that? What's your reel on that rod? Yeah, it's a eight, three to one gear ratio, Johnny Moore's reel. The reason being is because I want to get that bait in. We talked about those small, uh, strike zones yeah. in those areas. Well, once it's out and you got a 70 yard cast, everything in between is irrelevant so you want to reel it in and make another cast as fast as you can it looked like fluorocarbon you were dealing with straight flora was your line yep. of choice uh what what was uh, your pound test 20 pound xps fluorocarbon line got me through the lily pads got me out of the lily pads had some unfortunate breakoffs too you know when they get you around usually my go-to is 17 but those those fish were so aggressive and they were fighting so hard this time of year that I went up to 20 pound and it didn't really seem to affect the bite that much. Well, that's uh that's key stuff. Jocelyn, I know we got a we do we have another a couple. Joe quest. Campbell wants to know what knot are you tying? Palmar knot. Everything except for top water, then I'll tie a double cinch. So Palmar knot is uh, the one that is the bait that, or the knot that I go to on pretty much everything. And Hunter Chesner wants to know, how do you change your mindset from Florida fishing to going to North Carolina? At your level, does it not make a difference? It makes a huge <laughs> difference. I got home in my garage, took uh, most everything in my boat out, and put all the crankbaits and the and the swim baits and the clear line and, you know, all the all the stuff that you go and fish a lake that doesn't have grass. Yeah, that's 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 a crazy difference. Uh, like for those of us that don't live in Florida, don't have a lot of Florida experience. It's like fishing on the moon down there. Yeah. You know? Yep, absolutely. Wasn't it different this year because like the hurricane or whatever changed? Yeah, that's a good. That's a great question. Did that? Did the hurricane impact the Kissimmee chain? Yes, very much so. Um, Kissimmee FWC has done a fantastic job with the Kissimmee chain of lakes. That hurricane put a lot of water in that chain, and the water was very high. That's why you saw so many guys on the bank. The fish are up there. The fish were biting. The water was clear. It looked good. Um, it was set up. The Kissimmee, the whole Kissimmee chain was fantastic. Yeah, the water level was high. Now, we saw down at Okeechobee that a lot of the stuff, the vegetation got ripped out, and, and uh, or at least that, that's what I had heard. That, that didn't happen in the Kissimmee chain. They, they survived it. They just have a lot of extra water. Yeah, it's a completely, the, you know, the hurricane hit Okeechobee more direct. Right. And, um, you know, Okeechobee with that big of a bowl, you don't really have any islands to protect anything. And then once that storm comes over the dike, then, you know, it'll push the whole body of water to one end and the south end, depending on where the storm comes from, the other end will be dry. 
and it'll push all that vegetation, blow it all out, and then the water will come back after the storm's gone. So it usually takes a good year or so for, for a lake to really get back to normal from a direct hit from a hurricane. I uh, I want to ask you. You said this when you uh, when you won, and and it it kind of impacted me that you're right there in sight where your your grandfather took you fishing and where you grew up, and that's you could you could see that area where you won this tournament. Uh, that looked like it meant a lot to you. Yeah, it was a very emotional win. Um, not so much because you know. I got four kids and hey, a hundred thousand dollars goes a long way, but you know, I got kids in college. I got all that. That was, that was great. But uh, the emotional side of things was right there. I fished a lot of big tournaments on Kissimmee and on that chain. And I've never really won a national event there. It seems like the cold fronts have always come the last two days of the event. So to do that, to do it there, to do it where I did, to fish where I fished, where my dad and my grandpa and my brothers, you know, mom, sister, everybody, where we would go and spend the weekend and favorite memories of a kid. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was very touching to me and and to our whole family. Well, that was uh, that was terrific, and uh, you know, once again, congratulations. And you said you're. Your grandpa, he threw a topwater. That's all he threw. Yeah, I got invoices from Bass Pro that he ordered 350 double horses at one time. So that was all <laughs> oh he would God. throw. He'd, he'd only throw the silver shiner. And uh, that's what me and my brothers and sisters, if we had a birthday or got a good credit, a good report card, which that didn't happen very much. My sister <laughs> did. But me, Arnie, and Bobby, we, you know, we were a little slow on the report card side of things. But we got a good one. We would get uh, we would get a double horse, and it, that's, that's so interesting because I've heard like uh, so many old school Florida anglers. Man, they they lock that topwater in their hand. Cold front, warm front. They just throw that all day long. Yeah, it's um, it's just notorious for catching big fish down there, and that's why you know we came out with the lane changer. You know to to uh to copy that but you know put our little touch on it and um you know they it works it's fun it's fantastic but you know when when it comes to fish in florida that time of year that bass pro shop stick goes hard to beat well i want to invite everybody watching uh over at bashy.tv we've got uh chris you you were generous to give us a master class on topwater fishing at bash university and uh that's available for all you guys to go check out as well as uh, as well as Chris's seminar on equipment and the importance of selecting the right equipment for the right job. And uh, all your yeah. Florida equipment is uh, is now back at home. And uh, <laughs> and now we've got, I think, a couple crankbait rods on the deck. What do you what do you think is going to happen here at the Redcrest? And I have no idea. I really haven't even thought about it. Um, I'm thinking that, you know. I got a little secret weapon, um, has nothing to do with fishing, but when I, when I get there, I'm excited to, to go and, and to fish and to, you know, feel that water out. I don't, uh, I have fished there, you know, a number of times actually, um, have some family there and, uh, you know, it's, it's a lake that, um, I hold dear to my heart, but at the same time, 
you know, know the opportunities that, that can happen with big fish there. So looking to, looking to run some, you know, water around there and see what happens, but, but mainly get out there and stay focused and try to catch those bigger fish. I, I, it's just so, you know, it's kind of like rejuvenation, I guess, to be able to go and try to catch, you know, the five and six pounders instead of, uh, you know, a two pounder, but their two pounders can can make all the difference in the world. It's not it's not all lollipops and candy canes all the time. <laughs> how much uh, how much you know momentum are you feeling now carrying into this? Because now you've you've won a classic, you've won an elite series, you've won an MLF BPT. I mean, shoot, your brother won the Red Crest last year. Let's just keep it in the family this year, right? Like, just yeah. go out there and you know, <laughs> go out there and win it, right? How how much momentum are you feeling rolling into this? Yeah, I feel pretty good. Um, there again, um, not really thinking about it right now. Um, I've got seven podcasts I think I got to do tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so we're going to finish those up. And then, you know, as as time gets closer, as it gets near, look at start looking at the weather, start looking at the water temperature, um, start kind of putting, you know, a practice game plan together and then, you know, get ready to go try to catch five big ones again. I love it. Yeah, do they have five pounders at Lake Norman? Yeah, they do. I've actually caught one about seven or eight pounds there before on top wow. water too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's a, I know it's a great. I love fishing that lake, and uh, we'll, we'll be watching uh, the red crest. When when does the the when does the televised portion of that kick off? Man, I believe everything's live starting Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll 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 certainly be watching that one. Is there is there anything else on the schedule that you're excited about this year? Any body of water coming that uh, that you can't wait to get to? Man, I'm I'm excited for all of them. There again, um, you know, last week was um, just crazy, and then going straight into filming for the hunt for monster bass, getting home, you know, taking care of the family stuff that needs to happen, and spending time with them and catching up on that. I really. I really am just taking one event at a time. And, um, yeah, I look forward to Gunnersville for sure because I get to sleep in my own bed. What time of year is Gunnersville? It's in May, so it uh, should be really good. That's a that's a post-spawn, right? They should be done by then? And it all depends on Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. spawning in May here last year, so we'll see. Right. Uh, I got you. Well, Thanks for joining us from Lake Gunnersville and uh, appreciate you taking time for our podcast and all you do for Bash University. Uh, appreciate that very much. And uh, we'll be watching and rooting for you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And girls. <laughs> the champ, Chris Lane. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thank you, buddy. Man, what, what a deal. Those, those Lane brothers, man, with these last-minute fish catches. I know. I know it's like it's like they just try to like keep everybody on the ropes, you know, keep them hanging around, and yep. then all right, two minutes left, let's go ahead and end this thing. Yep, <laughs> yeah, that's it's crazy. And, and Bob, you remember Bobby? That's the classic one where he weighed that fish. It had to be two pounds. He weighed it three times before he got, and then the third wow. time it got to two pounds, and he wins wins the event. Just uh, amazing. And then Chris's catch is crazy. I think that Marshall was just like loving seeing him like walk around and question if he won, thought he yeah. lost, you know? Yeah. You know what? It's funny because until Chris explained that to me, I really, 
I, I didn't understand why he didn't know that he won. And, and that makes perfect sense. Like he thought he had to make up a yeah. 412. Not that that's the fish that he had to catch. You know, he, yeah. he thought yeah. he needed a seven pounder on top of three. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I get it now. I get yeah. it now. They're I getting you getting used to the new format. Yeah. You get used to that old, the, you know, the old format. It's easy to see why that's what he was thinking. But yeah. It makes it all the sweeter. Yeah. You know, to like that, that surprise is almost like as good as, you know, well, it's better than, you know, yeah. knowing that you won. And like, honestly, I was serious when I said like, you know, keeping that, that mindset like is really not the worst thing. And obviously now that he knows how the format works, it's not going to happen again, but like <laughs> shoot, you know, shoot not higher. So even right, if you miss, like you always you're still going to hit what it, you want. When you get to like, everybody's always got a mark in their head. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I need this. One. I need 15 pounds of that. I need 20, 25, whatever it is, you know, always, once you get to that mark, whether it's 15 or 20 immediately, immediately, you can't just say, okay, this is enough. Right. Mm -hmm. It's got to be okay. Well, if I caught this many, how many other guys caught this many and 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 had a good day? Where's my next mark? Five yep. pounds higher, three pounds higher, whatever yeah. it is. Keeping that, you know, not not getting settled because the minute you get settled right on the water and you one o'clock, you got your twenty pounds. You think, oh, I'm good. I'm gonna go back to the goose and grab a crush and a wings and the whole deal. <laughs> well, guess what? Somebody's gonna Somebody, come in with a big old bag uh, yep. behind you. So yeah, and just keep. Keep on the throttle. I, 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 I like that mentality, Rich. Yeah. And, you and know? That, that BPT format forces these guys to do that because they know, right? Yeah. But for most of us in a five-fish tournament, like, man, yeah. don't – whether you got 18 pounds or 24 pounds, like, don't think you have enough. Like, you always need – Always. <laughs> you got to grind until until the end. And yeah. uh, you can even see it like uh, Suente's uh, – um, felt like he didn't have it he felt like he needed one more big fish and that that's the mentality you got to have yep. though yep. and that you know and you could see the difference between the two formats where one you don't know and one you do know right. and uh, i don't know they're they're both intense they let's, let's talk about yeah. that a little bit after the break let's mm -hmm. let's talk about some of those that, that you know because we just talked mlf let's yeah. recap a little bit of fast stuff yeah that's how it sounds good like and share the feed guys we got a really cool gift for you from waterwood and we have a grand prize we're going to be giving away some stuff when we come back from break so i hope you paid attention because we're going to be asking you a question based on what we uh learned today from chris lane so we'll be right back giving away some stuff right after this What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers, to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com.
leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count.